Psalm 119. The, uh, the bad news is there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. The good news is we're only going to tackle 16 of them this morning. Three weeks ago, we rolled out our revised mission statement. And uh, the mission of Clinton FCC is to love God and to build the church and to reach the world. And that's really very similar to our former mission statement, to glorify God and to win the lost and to teach the saved. And in that, you see worship, and that's more than just singing songs on Sunday morning. That's whole life worship. And you see evangelism reaching the world, and you see what some people would call nurture, edification, discipleship, building up the the fellowship, building up the believers. Our leadership, uh, for quite some time, for going on uh, 11 months, we've been working through values that we feel really drive us. We call them core values. And each week, we're going to roll out a a new core value, and there's the the 10 core values. And so for the next 10 Sundays, when you come, you're going to hear about a core value of Clinton FCC. And we're going to try to help you understand what the value is and why it's important, why we feel like it is something that that defines us, something that that drives us, something that that we are very passionate about. And we start today with word, the idea that God's word, the Bible, reveals truth about who God is and about who he wants us to be. Truth about who God is and truth about who he wants us to be. And and um, that's not a universal definition of the Bible in our country. If you did some man-on-the-street interviews, some people would greatly disagree with that. If you went all over the world, just the Bible itself, it is, um, it is a, a very toxic book in the eyes of many. Um, I found myself almost arrested in India because I had the audacity to carry my NIV pocket Bible with me into the Taj Mahal. It was, it was offensive that I even had it with me. But um, we believe as a core value that, that God's Word is truth and that it's a truth that drives us. How many of you have been through a Discover FCC gathering, a Discover FCC class at our church? I know many of you have, and one of the things that we do in our class is we give you six staples of our church. They're not necessarily the most important six things, uh, but, but they definitely define who they are. And for people that maybe grew up, say, Methodist, or they grew up Catholic, or they didn't grow up in any church, it, it helps them better understand what, what is First Christian Church of Clinton, what is the independent Christian church um, passionate about, what will we consider our belief system, some would call it our doctrine, compared to other churches. And the six are up there on the screen. Um, saved by the grace of God. We practice baptism by immersion as part of the salvation process. We practice weekly communion. We believe in every member ministry, and we have no denominational hierarchy. What's the first thing that I skipped over? That our authority comes only from the Word of God. We are a people of the book. We are a people of the Word. And if you go back to the history of our movement It's called the Restoration Movement. It was a a movement that took place in America. Unlike many of the denominations that you see today that have their roots, say, in Germany or England or somewhere overseas, the Restoration Movement took place in the early 1800s. 
Guys like Alexander Campbell and Barton W. Stone and Walter Scott, they were passionate that we have to be a people of the book. They were passionate that many of the Christians during their day had gotten away from the word. The Bible was not the source of authority. So there was literally 20 different passages of Scripture that I could have grabbed a hold of and used. I could have tried to um, shotgun you with several different passages of Scripture. But I want to look at Psalm 119, just the first 16 verses, and what we can glean from this longest chapter in the Bible about the importance of God, God's Word. And the message today really is in three parts. We're going to be in the Word. What's the truth of God's Word? Then we're going to look at our world today. What does our world ha- have to say on some very important issues that are facing us? And how does that match up with God's Word? And then finally, I'm going to leave you with what I'm calling our witness. What do we do with this? And so, Psalm 119, let me read for you the first 16 verses. It, it reads like this. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and who seek him with all their heart. They do, not, they, they do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that the ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts. I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We bow with me, please, for a word of prayer. God, We have read your word, we have heard your word, and it's my prayer that your word will speak to us. God, it's my prayer that whatever um, we arrive with this morning, whatever our perspective might be, whatever our life situation is, that your word will speak, that our heart will be open, and that through, um, through all that we consider today, we will reaffirm this desire to be a people of the book, to be a people of the word, to be a people that echo the truth of Psalm 119. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Four things that I want you to see from these 16 verses of Scripture. And um, some of you are new around here. We publish every week that I preach a sermon outline. And this week, I believe it's on green paper. And you're welcome to use this and fill in the blanks. You're welcome to not use this and throw it away. It's just a resource that many people enjoy, not just for the sermon itself, but they're able to take it home and reflect upon the truths throughout the week. So I wanted to make you aware of that. Four truths. Number one, God's Word is valuable and should be hidden 
in our hearts and obeyed in our lives. God's Word has a value. God's Word is helpful. God's Word should be hidden in our hearts and obeyed in our lives. Verse 11, one of the very first passages of Scripture that I memorized as a young boy at my home church in Champaign, First Christian Church of Champaign, I've hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And from a very early age, I was um, reminded of the priority of being able to recall God's Word. One of my great regrets uh, in my adult years is that I have not spent more time, more of my free time, committing God's Word to memory. And, and I'm going to talk about that later in, in, the, in the sermon this morning, about a challenge that we're throwing out there. But I want us to be a, a, a church, I want us to be a body of Christians that this year can say, we took steps toward hiding God's Word in our heart. I, I love my Sunday school class, the Faith Builders. If you're in the Faith Builders, raise your hand right now. We've got a lot of Faith Builders. And if you're not in a Sunday school class, you're welcome to join us. We're downstairs in the fellowship hall every Sunday morning at 9.30. And we started memorizing Scripture last week. And for some of us, we were excited. Okay, none of us were excited. But, but we dove in. And we tried to recall and oh, by the way, faith builders, I'm going to be testing you about 9.35 this morning to see how well you do with Philippians 1.6. Verse 4 in our text says that you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. You've laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. I believe that when you look at our world, and I think when you look at our country today, um, there is a lot of moral failure all around. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to see that that's the case. But I think more so than any time that I can remember in my lifetime, I think people genuinely do not know the truth of God's Word as it pertains to how God wants Christ followers to live their lives. And so I think that one of the things we have to do is we have to commit to knowing the Word how can we live the Word before we know the Word? God's Word's valuable, and it's to be hidden in our hearts and obeyed in our lives. Number two, following the truth of God's Word is a catalyst for achieving purity in our lives. Following the truth of God's Word is a catalyst for achieving purity in our lives. Verse 1 begins with this, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. I'm going to make an assumption, and this could be wrong, but I'm just going to assume looking out, gazing into the congregation this morning, that none of you are guilty of what I would call serial theft. And I don't mean like Fruit Loops or Frosted Flakes, but I mean like typical, regular theft. That's not a part of your life. You don't walk into a convenience store and say, how can I get out of here with that Snickers bar without paying? Or how can I refill my coffee and, and, and not have to pay the refill price? Most people would say, that's just not something you're supposed to do. And oh, by the way, if you do it, there's consequences for that. Why is that the case? Why aren't you a serial theft? 
You know why? Because at a very young age, more than likely, someone, probably a parent, maybe a sibling, sat down and said, we don't do that. That is wrong. And oh, by the way, if you do that, you're going to have a serious price to pay. Serious consequences will follow you. And, and when we know God's word, when we allow God's word to drive us to live in our heart, we better understand what's it mean to live a life that's above reproach? What's it mean to live a life that's defined by purity? If you just spend time surfing through satellite television, surfing through the internet, surfing through magazines, there's a lot of garbage out there. And I think for many people, they are reinforced by garbage and they don't even realize it. We must allow the truth of God's word to be that catalyst for our lives. Verse 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to his word. I'm so blessed. Um, my story, many of you know, I'm adopted. Um, I don't know my birth parents. My, my mom and dad, Jim and Dorothy Taylor, were able to take me home like when I was two or three days old, so I've never known anything different. And I was raised in um, a, a Christian home, and I would say a very strict home, and I didn't like it as a 16-year-old, and I'm so thankful for it as a 47-year-old. And I wish I could stand before you and say that this point number two, this idea of achieving purity in their lives, was a grand slam home run success for me during my high school years. I wish I could say that. I, I can't say that. And I'm not going to uh, give you the details um, because a lot of them are embarrassing. And, and a lot of them probably are somewhat like some of you. But here's the point. I had parents that had me in church every week. I had parents that had me in Sunday school every week. I had parents that had me in youth group every week. I had Sunday school teachers like Joanne Phillips reinforcing the truth of God's word. And even though I didn't hit Grand Slam home runs in the purity scale, um, I, I was not near as um, in the world as I could have been, as many of my friends were. And I'll tell you a, a major reason why, guilt. I knew God's word. I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. And as a 15-year-old and as a 16-year-old and as a 30-year-old, that's helped me understand how God wants me to live my life. How does a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the word. Number three, following the truth of God's word is a guide for discovering God's will in and God's will for our lives. God's will in our lives and God's will for our lives. Verse 2, blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Verse 8, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. I, I want to speak about Adam for a moment. I was really thankful for his message last Sunday. And I know many of you missed it uh, for one reason or another. And I would encourage you to go to our website and to listen to it. He, he talked about the call of God on his life, and then he turned it to us, and he talked about the call of God on, on our lives. And I hope you spent time this week, if you heard that message, wondering, God, what is your call on my life? What is your will for my life? And Adam's right. For most of it, it's not to jump on an airplane and go to Africa or India or South America. For many of us, it probably is to be salt and light right here in central Illinois to reach out to our neighbors that don't know the hope of Jesus, to, to be a beacon of light in the workplace or at school, 
But when we know the word, when we live the word, when we allow God's word to resonate in our, our minds and our hearts and flow into our lives, we're on the path to discovering God's will for our lives. Verse 8 says, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. It's this idea that, God, I will know the truth cognitively. I will know the truth in my heart, but I will live the truth. I, I will make sure that's a part of who I am and how I live my life. Number four, Psalm 119, neglecting God's word undermines our relationship with the Lord. Verse 16, our, our chunk of scripture this morning wraps up with this, I delight in your decrees, I will not neglect your word. And if we're not careful, it's really easy to neglect God's word. It's really easy to get out of the habit, to let one day bleed into another day, into another day, and before you know, you haven't been in the word for a week. You haven't spent time growing as a result of Bible reading. So that's part one. That's the truth of God's word. I want to get real practical this morning. What, what about our world that we live in? What does Psalm 119 have for us in terms of the world in which we live? And what I want to do is I want to look at four um, events that are unfolding, four issues that I think are very relevant for our world today. And I want to look at maybe what does the world say and what does God's word say? And issue number one is this the life issue? The life issue? What do I mean by the life issue? Here's what I mean. I mean that every single life matters. Every life matters. That means people who are, are facing just terrible, terrible times in, in, in the older season of life, that life matters. It matters to God, and it should matter to us. That means that child in the womb that life matters to God. That life should matter to us. That means the people who are living in horrific parts of our world, where atrocities are a daily experience, none of them are throwaways in the eyes of the Lord. Every life matters. Life is sacred to God. That is a clear teaching of Scripture, that life is sacred to God. And if life is sacred to God, life should be sacred to you if you're a follower of Jesus. It's not an option. Psalm 139, middle of the, the psalm, we, we read these words. David reflects and says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David says, before I was born, you knew me. You loved me. You cared for me. Jeremiah 1, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah writes, and he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. It's a clear teaching of Scripture that every life matters. I, I um, very much regretted not being in Washington, D.C. this Friday, this past Friday, the 27th, for the 44th annual March for Life. Um, and, and I have no excuse. Um, that's on the bucket list of things I want to do. I want to march for life. I, I want to be out there and say unashamedly to anyone that will listen, every life matters. Now, here's a caution, because a lot of you, you're with me, and you're amen all the way, and you're pro-life, and, and you're unashamed to be pro-life. The life issue is more than just about abortion. And that's where a lot of Christians, I think, miss the mark. M many would say we care about the womb, but once they're born, we just kind of turn away and say, someone else figure all that out. That's not being pro-life. Every life matters. Number two, what about poverty? What about people in our world? What about people in our community? Incredible, incredible poverty rate right here in DeWitt County. But what about people all over the world who are in need? It's hard for me to watch when I see what's happening in Syria. And I know that's a political issue, and I know right away we, we have people that are on different sides of that issue, and, and I'm not going Fox News this morning, and I'm not going MSNBC this morning, okay? I'm talking about people whose lives have been turned upside down, whose world has been crushed. And what you need to understand, there is a special place in the heart of God for those who are living without. And sometimes we miss it because we have so much. We miss it because our lives are so blessed. And so it's not optional to turn away. It's not optional to say, let someone else figure that out. That's not my problem. I live in central Illinois. It's not my problem. I've got all my ducks in a row. That's not an option if you're a follower of Jesus. Matthew 25 is a chapter a lot of us get really uncomfortable with. Jesus says things like this, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And a little, a little bit later at the end of the chapter, he says, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did not do it for me. And so if you're a fan of MSNBC, two thumbs up to you. And if you're a fan of Fox News, go for it. I, I watch both, to be honest with you. But if you allow a network that obviously has a perspective, form your opinion on an issue like this without God's word having a voice, you're missing the mark. And I don't apologize for that statement. We have to let God's word be truth for the ugly issues, the sticky issues, the dangerous issues. Issue number three, sexual purity. Paul repeatedly condemns sexual behavior outside the confines of marriage. That's a theme all through the New Testament. 
And I know that's not cool in 2017, and I know that's not what the magazines say, and I know that's not what, you know, the satellite or cable television shows or movies might say. I know it's just kind of been um, accepted by culture that anything goes. That's not what God's Word says. 1 Thessalonians 4, and I love it because it talks about God's will. Here's what it says. It's God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each one of you should learn to control his or her own body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen. And so what are you allowing to define truth for you on this issue? A study came out this morning. I, I saw it on Ed Stetzer's Twitter page says that only 8% of Christians in America really want their pastor or their church to help them define what's truth when it comes to issues of morality, 8%. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just an average joke. Forget about me. But what's God's Word say? Does God's Word trump culture? Or is culture just too prevalent? Is culture just too powerful. Number four, almost done. This will really be fun. Authority, people in authority, especially the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. How do we deal with that? I didn't vote for him. I didn't like him. Um, he's not nice. He said profane things, which he certainly did. He doesn't have enough, you know, um, moral authority to speak truth to me. What's your perspective with our 45th president? And how have you come to the conclusion of how you are going to look at him and treat him and honor him in the next four years? Well, I don't really want to know what you think. I'm not going to tell you what I... What's God's Word say? Does God's Word speak to how we should treat the President of the United States, whether it's Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Bill Clinton. Does God's Word have anything for us? Well, let's see. The first theme that is driven home repeatedly is the theme of submission. And there, there's five or six New Testament scriptures I could throw up. For time's sake, I'm only going to give you 1 Peter 2. Here's what it says. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who sent by him. And jump down to verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Greg, are you saying that I have to like everything that he's ever said? No. In fact, there's some things that you should not like that have come out of his mouth over the last 11 years. Quite frankly, it's disgusting. He's your president. He's in authority. And you know, if Peter can write to first century Christians and say, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to everything, you know who his authority was? Anybody know? Heard of Nero? If Peter can write, submit to Nero, with all the persecution that was ongoing, then we in 2017 can and should submit to our leaders as well. Number two, prayer. Here's another thing that you see in Scripture repeatedly over and over again. Pray for those that are in authority. But I don't like him, you might say. Or I didn't like our, our former president, you might say. 
Or I don't like our governor, you might say. Or I don't like our representatives, you might say. I don't care. Pray for them. It's biblical. 1 Timothy 2 says, I urge you then, first of all, this is Paul writing to Timothy, young son of the faith, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. In my lifetime, there has not been a president that I disagreed with more politically than our former president, Barack Obama, just in terms of the issues, in terms of his political agenda. You can't find someone that Greg Taylor disagrees with more. And I prayed for him every day. And I wrote to him, and I said, I am praying for you every day. And I am encouraging our church in Clinton, Illinois, to pray for you every day. And he wrote me back. Well, actually, a a 26-year-old intern probably wrote me back, but it had his name on it. And he said, thank you for my prayers. And then the last week he was in office, I got another email from him and said, thank you for your prayers. Are you praying for those in authority, even those that you disagree with politically? And then finally, number three, Jesus addressed this issue. And it was under the, the, the context of taxes, but he simply said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Submit, Yes. Pray, yes, but understand um, your ultimate allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And so, what do we do with this core value of word in 2017? What challenges do we have? And I have three that I want to leave you with, and number one is this, and it's in your bulletin. If you have your bulletin, crank out your bulletin. Every day be in the word, the FCC daily Bible reading challenge. And many of you are doing it, and some of you are not, and I hope all of you will start if you're not already. Daily Bible reading challenge. I have asked Allison from our staff, Allison Hitchings, one of our children's ministers, to come up, and she is going to share a testimony about how she and her family have taken this challenge and, and, and started doing it and some of the testimonies that she can share. So come on up and clap for her. That's like an opera clap. Sorry about that. Okay. Good morning. I was excited to wear grown-up clothes today when I realized that I got to hang out with you for a little bit. Thank you for letting me speak. Um, I just want to encourage um, grandparents, parents, um, other adults who are in positions of influence with um, young children that we have a really... Um, exciting opportunity to do this daily Bible reading challenge together. Um, Greg and I have worked and put together put together um, our blog that is up on the screen, ClintonFCC.wordpress.com, and there's two tracks on the website. There's a personal track that Greg um, is is publishing that uh, goes along with the um, the bulletin inserts and then I've also been working on a family track where um, there are questions to read with your kids before your um, Bible study before you read and then also some questions to go through with them afterwards and some action steps to take and um, I realize that I'm the children's minister and that sounds all good for me to be up here and tell you that um, that you should do that but I'm also a mom 
and I'm also a mom of three kids, and we have a very, very busy schedule, and so um, I'll be perfectly honest and tell you that I don't like saying peas in this microphone, um, <laughs> and tell you that family devotion time is very tricky to try to squeeze in or to try to carve out time for. So I just want you to realize that I struggle with that as well. Um, but we have chosen to make this a priority, and I was a little skeptical at first on how it was going to go, even though I'm the one that was writing them. Um, I wasn't sure that I was really hitting hitting the mark. But um, we have um, had some really good family discussions. There's been a lot of laughter. There's been some um, questions that has kind of, uh, the discussions have spurred some questions that um, the kids have brought forth. And I even asked um, kind of a cross-section of families um, in our children's ministry to kind of pilot the program for me. Um, we've got some pre-K families all the way up to parents with um, uh, upper elementary school. And I got some really, really neat testimonies from them this week. Um, one family, they, um, they started on the day of Zacchaeus. And so uh, their boys stood up in the middle of dinner and sang Zacchaeus to their little sister. And then she signed for more. So the boys did it all again. Um, they were fighting over who got to, whose turn it was to answer questions. So um, moms and dads seem to be saying, if they're doing it, that it uh, really... It's really enriching their family time together. You can do it at bedtime. You could do it at dinner time. Um, you could do it first thing in the morning if you get up earlier than I do. But um, but I would just I would just really encourage you. Um, I would challenge you, I guess, um, that to to at least give it a shot. Um, and you know everybody can try and experiment for a, a few days, but to just give it a shot. It's on the blog, and um, if you have any questions, feel free to find me after church. I'll be downstairs, and I would be happy to um, be a resource for you any way that I could. So thank you very much. All right, thank you, Allison. Give her a hand. Thank you. And you know, if you haven't started this, don't feel like you got to go back and start with Luke one. Today we're in Luke twenty two. Starting on Wednesday, we'll be in the book of Acts. Jump in, dive in, you will be blessed. Challenge number two is really right with this text, and that is Bible memorization. Memorizing God's Word. And we have a great opportunity that's unfolding right here in Clinton starting tomorrow, and it's called Hide and Seek. It's going to be a 30 to 35-minute gathering every Monday at 1130 at the Clinton YMCA don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of the YMCA to go and, and learn God's Word. And we're going to give you this really cool notebook that says Hide and Seek Bible Memory Class. If you are a mom and you have little ones, the Y has graciously allowed us to use their babysitting room for your kids. So there's really no excuses to come on out. You will be blessed. We're going to memorize two scriptures every week. And we're going to run this through April 17 and reevaluate Mondays at 11.30 a.m. at the Clinton Y. Now, number three is get involved. Be in a class. Don't try to do it all by yourself. Bible reading is by yourself or with your family. Bible memorization, we're going to do it as a group, but it, but it basically is um, you know, basically it's going to be you memorizing God's Word and reinforcing that in your mind. Number three is this, gather together, join people in study opportunities and growth opportunities. 
We have a bevy of classes that meet every Sunday morning at 9.30. I lead a class. Norma Harold leads a class. Larry Roberts leads a class. The Lord Love Ladies, uh, they have a class for women. Men don't show up. You're not welcome, but all women are welcome to be there. Um, it's a great opportunity to gather together and to grow in your knowledge of God's Word. But beyond 9.30 on Sunday mornings, we have a ladies' Bible study that meets on Tuesday mornings. We have another ladies' Bible study that meets on Thursday evenings. Men reload 6 a.m., 2nd and 4th, Tuesday of every month. We get together and we study the Bible. And it's a blessing. Don't do it alone. Bottom line is this, and it's from Scripture. It's James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Let's be a people of the book, a people of the word. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for the opportunity to dive into core values. And it's my prayer that we will be a people that have a passion for your word, truth for our life. Um, our world's a messed up place. Um, we get mixed messages a lot of the time. God, help us to be people that know the word and live the word. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Every week during this time, we offer an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We offer the invitation, if you're a follower of Jesus, to, to place your membership with our church. And if you're not ready just to jump up and do that, I want to extend the invitation to meet with you personally. I'd love to do that. Grab me. Say, let's meet this week. Let's meet today. I'd love to do that. The other thing that we offer during this time is the opportunity to have someone pray for you. And uh, I'd be honored if you have a need uh, to let me pray for you this morning as we stand together and Mark leads us in our song of commitment. Close to 